Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited to have my guests in Rashawn Brown, co-founder of Screen Skins and Randy Tom, president of Keyscaper. We're going to talk about sports licensing, uh, the world in which, uh, you know, you're getting brands across products uh, and into people's hands uh, all across the globe. Um, Randy is, is involved with Keyscaper, a uh, product in which uh, office, mobile accessories, et cetera, uh, involving the sports brands across the landscape. Uh, Rashawn, recently with Screen Skins, um, bringing screen protectors and logos to uh, your phone nearby. But uh, nonetheless, guys, welcome. Great. Good to hear you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us, Jake. Nice to be on the podcast again. Absolutely. Yeah. Rashawn, this is, this is version two for you. Um, Randy, first time for you. We'll, we'll start with you. Uh, what does sports licensing to you mean? And, and you also have a, a little bit of a non-traditional path into the sports world as well. So how did you get into it? Well, we originally, the company was originally a contract manufacturing company. And so we did contract printing, painting, and other services, uh, primarily for the high-tech medical and dental industries back in the uh, early 2000s. And it wasn't until about 2009 that uh, the economy kind of took a nosedive and we decided that, you know, we really needed to have a little more control over our own destinies. So we thought we'd have our own products, but having your own products creates a whole new set of challenges. And uh, one of the things that we uh, worked on was the idea of being able to decorate unique products with logos, uh, whether it's entertainment property or sports property type logos. And we started with the keyboard, uh, hence the name Keyscaper, um, and started with the idea of being able to directly print onto the entire keyboard as a way of providing a unique and different product so that we would attract attention and be something that people might have an interest in. Um, I traveled down to uh, Las Vegas for the licensing show uh, in 2009 and started showing a keyboard that we had decorated to uh, a variety of entertainment properties and some sports properties. And uh, the excitement there was enough to convince us that we really did have something worth uh, exploring. Um, we worked with entertainment properties and with uh, the colleges to kind of get our foot in the door, so to speak. Uh, University of Oregon can take credit for uh, helping us out in that way because uh, they were the first uh, company to license us for uh, our product um, back when they were an independent um, school as far as licensing is concerned. But then we entered into the whole CLC process, which is the college licensing corporation that uh, does the licensing for the large percentage of the, uh, um, the top 50 um, colleges and universities here in the US. And so we started in that direction. 
started working on uh, obtaining licenses using the keyboard as our our entry into that because it was something that was not available anywhere else. And uh, the one thing we learned about in licensing really early on is having something unique, having something different than what everybody else has, gives you a much better opportunity to interact with these licensors because they really have seen everything and, uh, and they've licensed what they want. And so unless you've got something really unique, they tend not to have a whole lot of interest in a me too product. And, and, and Randy, Rashawn, just for, for the audience listening, the difference between a licensee, a licensor, how that process works and how a product even gets into becoming uh, ultimately one that's in the, the wealth of options that you can pick from uh, as, as a fan. Yeah, I'd say that the licensor is the um, company that owns the intellectual property, i.e. the logo. So the licensor is the one that actually has control over the logos being placed onto the products. Uh, the licensee uh, of which we are is the company that um, basically signs an agreement with the licensor to pay them a royalty and in many and most cases a minimum guarantee uh, for the uh, opportunity to sell products with that uh, licensor's logo. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Rashawn, anything to add there just in terms of, uh, you know, you coming from the fundraising background and getting into the sports licensing space, like you had to have had a sports licensing 101 at some point uh, as, as you were getting going, or, or maybe maybe you can write a book one day about it. Um, yeah. What what's what's kind of the short and simple for for those that are listening of like hey how does this work? Yeah, I mean for for me right you know as as you know building a product and trying to build a brand like your your biggest thing right is your market position and with our background and me obviously having a vast sports network and th knowing these things I was able to kind of say hey if we are licensed in sports we can reach a whole new fan base and build our brand within the market that is already valuable and that is already excited about products and want to represent their team and show their support. So for me, it was more so, again, relationships, right? As you know, I didn't know Randy at first, you know, so I've had conversations with the CLC as well. Like we, our networks crossed over, you know, I was talking to Dave Kirkpatrick and we had a great conversation about multiple products at the time, because again, you know, I was working on emojis and, and other things that were becoming licensed. And I told him like, hey, you know, this is a product that I'm, that I'm working on with, you know, with my co-founder, what do you think about it? And like Randy said, it was something unique. They, they've seen everything, everything. You can't get anything past uh, the licensors, man. Because again, everyone thinks they can license everything, but that is not the case at all. So after a few conversations, again, going off the relationships, he was able to connect me to the right parties to again, begin the process of getting the product licensed. And that went into more relationships, talking to Derek Eiler, um, at Fanatics, and I'll point to, I mean, um, you know, Dave Kirkpatrick and Derek Eiler were instrumental in us even getting this off the ground because, again, I knew nothing about licensing until I spoke to those two and they helped me navigate that process. But then after that, growing into it and starting to learn like the basis, you know, when we started to actually work with Randy, then it was just like, a, oh, crap, like it's a lot more than <laughs> what we thought we uh, we knew so, um, I mean, and again, it, it's not an easy process. The, the barrier to entry is very tough, but 
we we've navigated it. So my one-on-one was really, again, like, you know, in, in our, in our field was really that practical experience of just diving in, not being afraid of it and, and, and going to try to get those questions answered and kind of be bullish about something that you're proud of. Randy, what's, what's the easiest, I say easiest, uh, not, nothing's easy, right. But, uh, easiest part of the sports and entertainment industry to crack into from a licensing perspective is, is it, you know, the college landscape, because it goes through one, one funnel and, you know, then, then you kind of have access to everybody in some, some sort of sense. Is it the leagues, uh, which then you can get to the teams? How, how do you go about it? If, if you're starting with a blank slate. I'd say, you know, starting with a blank slate, uh, the colleges are going to be your best answer. Uh, CLC has a program for um, <clears throat> new licensees that starts with uh, just a small number of license uh, licensors or colleges in their in their general area. Uh, there are some independent schools that will work with, uh, you know, um, new licensees and uh, will help make that work. Um, and I think that the other part of it is, is the entry cost is not nearly as big as the entry cost for getting into uh, the pro sports from that perspective. So I think having something unique, but also starting with the colleges where you can demonstrate the uh, the product and what it can do uh, is probably the best way to start. Um, and then from there, you kind of have to also understand where you're going to sell the product. And uh, that also becomes a, you know, a challenge because depending on the product, uh, you know, you've got different channels that make the most sense, but, you know, e-commerce is becoming the channel for uh, selling licensed products. And uh, when it comes to e-commerce, uh, there's, there's one big company that sits in the, in the driver's seat and that's Fanatics. And, and to talk about a little bit around Fanatics and, and how that works, um, there's thousands of products on Fanatics, right? And so also then separating yourself, uh, there's got to be a marketing component, right? To get yourself out there, to even direct people to, yes, it's on Fanatics, but how do you get there? How do you find it? You know, not everybody in this uh, world of, of small attention uh, timeframes, you know, is, is just kind of clicking on buttons, looking for random products, right? It's okay. What do I want? Where do I get it? How do I find it? Uh, so let's talk about the little bit on, around the marketing piece of it too, of, you know, getting people to understand uh, where to find you. And then also figuring out also how to tell that story so that it separates yourself from anybody else too. Cause Randy, I'd imagine like not, Yes, you've got your keyboard, but I'm sure people have tried to, you know, knock it off or, or do something similar once it came out, right? Well, it, yes and no. I mean, we were kind of fortunate in the fact that we had developed a proprietary process in order to do it. So it left us with the opportunity, you know, with an opportunity where we did, we haven't had a, a lot of competition in that particular product. But as we've expanded out into other products, into obviously cell phone covers and uh, power banks and uh, chargers and such. That's where we really, you know, came to the point where we're, it's, we're competing with a variety of others. And so, uh, yeah, I think that there's a, there's definitely a need for you to be able to get yourself out there and show yourself as being something unique. And how do you, you know, how you market that um, 
I'll be honest, uh, we've learned as much from Rashawn as we've uh, learned, you know, learned on the in the years before Rashawn. But uh, we've we've found that the the whole process of marketing involves. I mean, with fanatics, it's mostly working on how do you advertise on fanatics and what are the options there. Um, but the rest of it is a lot of it is social media exposure um, and uh, just letting people know about your products, whether it's trade shows or other places. But um, I'm still learning from the young kids, which uh, Rashawn and uh, Clay uh, from Screenskins have been great teachers for me. Um, and that's so you want to explain a little bit more about how that works, Rashawn? Yeah, I mean, j just from, you know, my background and, you know, and working in fundraising and then obviously like the background, obviously being exposed to a lot of different facets in the industry, you start to understand when you have like a competitive advantage, right? So being on Fanatics serves as that competitive advantage where, you know, you have a unique product there and they have all of these systems already in place for you to market and to really scale that product. And and when you think about it, right, if, if you're Fanatics, if you're selling, you know, keyboards, you're selling cases, you're selling screen protectors, you're pretty much going to have one person with that product on your platform. There's no need to really put too many of the similar products in, you know, on Fanatics. But then also when you look at Fanatics, what it adds is, I mean, the average person, if we think of licensed products, we don't think of Amazon, we don't think of, you know, store, we think of Fanatics. That's how the sports fan, the true sports fan, that's how our brains are ingrained, right? We think Fanatics, the average, I think we had a meeting with Fanatics, the average fan spends around six minutes on Fanatics to searching and buy something. That's really crazy when you think about e-com, right? Because a consumer really, you have two seconds to grab their attention get for them to get on and buy something. So understanding that, that was what was powerful in, in this relationship and this partnership was, hey, we're going to be on Fanatics. But then the other lens of that is the people that aren't shopping on Fanatics, right? The millennials, people that may not be your traditional sports fans that know to go to Fanatics, like how do you target and reach them? And that's through, you know, TikTok, Instagram, you know, Facebook ad, Instagram ads, Instagram store, all of these different components that allow you to get your product to the fans, but then also have these built-in ad mechanisms that help you target those fans. Randy, as far as the, the, the marketing piece goes, I mean, what have you been able to learn not only from Rashawn, but, you know, you know, when you started in 2011, like the, the last 10 plus years of how has it evolved, right? Social media has obviously become a much, much, much more integrated part of society over those years. But just in terms of even um, how people use your products and, you know, has that changed at all? I mean, we're in the in the what's referred to in the industry as the hard goods space. So there's the apparel space and licensing, and then there's the hard goods. Um, in a lot of ways, the hard goods space is a little more challenging in the sense that uh, we saw the exodus of the retailers uh, from wanting to bring in a lot of the um, the electronics products into their stores uh, as the in kind of moving away from that starting in around 2012, 2013, where, you know, it was a case where as e-commerce grew and as they be, as it became a more and more viable uh, place to purchase products, then the retailers started realizing that they're not going to sell as much or they were just becoming a showroom for e-commerce. 
And so they started moving away from carrying the product. So we saw an you know a, a need to move into e-commerce um, in a relatively quick period of time because all of a sudden all our, the products were only going to be sold uh, online. And so that whole process it created a, a variety of new opportunities, but also some challenges. And one of the biggest challenges was the products that we are offering, uh, the electronics products, needed to be, we really needed a solution to drop ship because people don't want to buy them and hold them and then sell them. They want to actually have you, you hold them and you sell them. I mean, you essentially ship them for them. So everything that we have right now is set up in a drop ship model that is something that we invested a lot of time and a lot of money in the, in the necessary tools to be able to do that. Um, We're in a unique position right now where if you can imagine, we have over 180,000 individual SKUs. You can order any one of those 180,000 items by six o'clock in the morning, and we will ship that to you um, that day. And we have no finished goods inventory. So we have to actually print, package, and ship. But we can ship any one, quantity one, of those 180,000 items in a single day. And that was kind of the whole par process that we had to go through was how do you make that happen? And uh, because once you've made that happen, then it becomes a lot easier to be in that space. But it also allows you to do something that your customers really need and want. And that is they want their product. Once they bought it, they want it quickly. And that's been a real key for us is understanding wow. where they want to go. And, and Jake, in real time, I'll tell you, that means like, hey, like your, your, your pickleball you know, custom stuff. We, we we can do that in under five minutes and have it shipped to you. <laughs> hey, you you know I'm all about the pickleball. Um, look, look, I I, I want to back up here real quick because Randy, you bring up a great point in that you go out and acquire the licenses, right, to go and create all these products. And I would imagine, like, once you get the license and you have that go button of like, hey, let's go, like we we got to go sell you've got to make sure that all the stuff on the back end is ready and set up. And, and you just mentioned all of the resources to be able to do that. So when you're starting out, where, where does the, where's the balance of like funding to make sure that the resources and, and, and the process is all set up in place while also trying to go get the, the license uh, to be able to do so, but then understand, you know, your, when you call it 180,000 products and, and the scalability of it um, in terms of sales and, and what that's going to generate, how do you bring that all together from the start? And what do you need to, 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 to make that happen? Like uh, it's not a uh, one man shop, right? No, it, it takes, um, you know, it takes cash. It takes some cash, whether you've, uh, you know, you've gone out and raised it on your own or whether you're, you know, paying, you know, investing yourself in your, in your business, but there is a significant amount of, uh, of cash needed to get yourself set up because you've got to have, you've got to have the inventory, you've got to have the, the facility to be able to process the inventory and, uh, and you've got to be willing to pay the, uh, the, uh, uh, royalty guarantees that you have to provide in most cases up front um, in it, you know, as far as being able to get a license. So 
almost all of the license uh, licensors are looking at, you know, what is your uh, business model? Where have you been selling? Or if you don't, if you haven't been selling, where do you expect to sell? Um, and oh, by the way, here's a here's a uh, you know five to six figure uh, bill for the uh, for the license you know the opportunity to sell uh, that licensed product. And uh, so you have that combination of things where it is it does require you know a fair amount of cash to get started. Uh, you just can't do it with on a shoestring uh, budget just because there is in this industry now it's been around long enough and it's established well enough that uh, you know you're competing with some very uh, significant players and having a unique product will get you somewhere but you've also got to be able to uh, you know turn that unique product into multiple products or something because the, the amount of money that these licensors want as a guarantee is big enough that um, you can't do it on just, uh, you know, just starting out with, you know, a, a single product. And, uh, you know, Rashawn and I talked about that a lot just because that's the challenge of any new uh, product and uh, is, you know, how do you do that? Because you can't get an NFL license without, you know, putting up, you know, a six figure amount and uh, it's that's a lot of money to put up in order to, you know, when you're a startup business. Yeah, Rashawn, talk about some of the challenges there as well as you've been learning about that process and even the time frame, right, to be able to acquire the license to, um, you know, go to market, how long the license lasts for, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, and, and Randy kind of hit on it. I mean, he, he really did hit on the challenges, you know, having one product, right? That's the challenge because the guarantees are so significant that if you are not able to have the inventory to make up for that or the channels to distribute that product, plus the marketing dollars to promote that product, you're, you're going to start off in a hole that you're not going to be able to sustain. So for us, you know, it, it comes to collaboration. And I think that's been the biggest vocal point for us is like, hey, Randy, how can we help you while you're helping us? And that is really one of the key components to what we're going to be doing to scale. Like he said, we have to introduce more products or we have to tie our products in a unique way to his products for us to scale. But then also, you know, the, the way my brain works in revenue, Jen, is like, okay, well, we have all of these things. What else aren't people doing where we can also control the space? And that goes to looking at sponsorship opportunities, which again, I'm I'm familiar with or looking at different ways to work with the teams to, again, like Randy said, quantity one, we can offer different solutions for teams on site to engage with fans or tell stories through products. So for me right now, you know, with the licensing thing, it's kind of just like, hey, I'll just go talk to Randy, right? I'll go make an introduction. We'll have conversation. We'll talk about if it's feasible, but if that's something that we're going to do, we talk about it. And as Randy being the OG in the space, he'll give me all the risk, everything like, okay, well, this is what you have to do. You have to look at this. This may not be able to do that. And for me, someone that's wanting to move so fast and scale so fast, I have to tell it back and learn that I can't run. I have to walk and really learn this space. So right now for me, it's about scaling screen skins, but I also understand that screen skins can't scale unless Keyscaper scales. So what we're doing is we're just rolling screen skins under Keyscaper 
and we're embodying the vision that Randy has, what Randy wants to do, but still bringing in creative ways for us to tell that story together. But we also understand that we're only going to go as far as Randy allows us to go, but also how far we can go together. I don't know about allowing you to go. I think it's more of, uh, you know, how are we going to work together to make it work? Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I think it's, you know, it is a real challenge. Uh, entering into the licensing market at this stage um, is tough. Uh, you know, we entered into it, you know, over 10 years ago. And uh, there were there were a little more there's a little more flexibility back then. But as time has gone on, uh, you know, the licensors have been realizing that having a, a lot of licensees is a lot of work if they're not generating some significant revenue. And so they've been moving their the licensors have been increasing their guarantees every year. Uh, a lot of them will increase your guarantee every time you renew your contract because uh, your sales are higher than they were before. So now they want to kind of make sure that that stays up there. So they'll they'll increase the guarantee. Um, and it becomes a, a case where it gets harder and harder um, because they're looking to say, okay, we're going to reduce the number of licensees because we don't want to have the ones that are not generating significant revenue. And at the same time, the the ones that are there that are doing it are, you know, expanding their space and, and expanding what they're offering because they've got to continue to keep growing just like anybody else. So we're seeing an awful lot of the, you know, that whole uh, consolidation in the uh, in the licensing space and a lot more of, uh, you know, new ideas being suggested to existing licensors um, as far as, well, hey, can you help this company here get you know, up and going, and uh, can you take them under your license to make something happen? So there's a lot of that going on. So I think one of the things that I would suggest on for for new licensees that have a unique product is understanding that you very well may need to partner with an existing licensee in order to uh, to really have the opportunity to grow into all of the uh, into all of the leagues, just because. It's tough to get every single league set up, and uh, you know we've it's taken us ten years to really get there, and uh, so it, it's a challenge, and it's not something that you're going to overnight you're going to get the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and college all in one fell swoop. Uh, just not going to happen, and so you have to kind of figure out where you're going to go and how you're going to do that. Well, and and part of it too, Randy is is you're not necessarily building the Keyscaper brand per se. You're not super out in front with that because what you're out in front with is your product with the other logos, right? The other teams that people are, you know, that, that do recognize that they do love. So how do you go about even making sure that um, you have the products that people want as well, right? You started off with one product and then as you evolve, it's, how do you make sure that uh, you, you're kind of staying on top of the trends of, of what people are, you know, ultimately wanting, you know, a logo on? Yeah, I think the the real challenge is, you know, it, it's a lot of listening. Uh, it's a lot of, you know, listening to the customers and, and finding out where they are, you know, what they view as being important. Um, you know, Fanatics is great about, you know, letting you know that there are gaps in their program or there are holes in their uh, you know, a product offering. And so, hey, if you can fill one of those holes, 
we would appreciate it sort of approach. Um, the other is, you know, working with your vendors and understanding from your vendors what they're seeing as being uh, new products or popular products is also real helpful. Um, and then, uh, you know, at trade shows and other places where you can hear from customers saying, hey, if you, you know, we'd love to see this or we'd love to see that, uh, then you can understand a little bit better about what uh, what is what is there and what is upcoming. Um, you know, trends within the electronics, the cell phone case space are, you know, watching what Apple's doing, watching what Samsung's doing, you know, watching what the peripheral products are being offered that work with those products. Uh, those are all things where you're going to look around and say, okay, what do we do? Um, I will say that, you know, one of the things that we have learned is don't assume that a product is just going to die because we've been told forever that the keyboard is going to no longer be needed. And we sell as many keyboards today uh, going out to uh, customers as we were selling or more keyboards today than what we were selling, um, you know, 10 years ago. And the fact of the matter is there are still a whole lot of desktop computers sitting out in, uh, in offices across the country uh, that need a, you know, that need a keyboard. And there's a lot of people that have laptops that hate their keyboard and, you know, they want to have a regular keyboard when they're working at home or something. So there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, the other part is, is realizing that you have to continue to listen and hear. And one of the things we heard is personalization is really important now. And so we started a program of being able to personalize a lot of our products. Um, and, uh, and to be able to do that is is great because it's an opportunity for, you know, growing. But we set it up where we started from the very beginning, saying we still had to be able to do it in a day. And so the order had to come in, and we had to be able to ship it within 24 hours. And so that was the basis for how we set up our personalization. And that's been what's allowed us to really make that work, is it doesn't interfere with our existing product flow. Rashawn, since we last had you on, we we uh, Screenskins has come a long ways, and let's let's just kind of uh, as we wrap up the episode, talk a little bit about that and you know your unique product, where it's going, um, and ultimately uh, we'll wrap up with some rapid fire. Yeah, man. I mean, for, for us, I mean, it, it was slow, right? You know, Screenskins, the the idea of Screenskins started in 2017, but we really didn't take it. As well, I mean, it was taken serious, but we weren't able to really start to scale it until we really were able to realize the relationship with with Randy. And from there, we've been able to grow at our pace, but still grow at a good pace, right? So for people who aren't familiar with the product, we are a tempered glass screen protector like any other screen protector you have, but we're able to, you know, brand it, put a logo right in the middle of your screen protector. And when your phone is off, it is visible. And when your phone is on, it disappears. So when you look at the traditional screen protector space, right? Like once you take a screen protector out of its package, you don't know if you got it from Zag, Belkin, Amazon, uh, you know, a, a knockoff screen protector company. You just, there's no way for you to know. So for us, we knew that branding and like Brandy said, that trend of personalization would make people like, oh, ah, I, I really need that. So from us taking, um, you know, a practical need and add an emotional tie to it was something that we saw that was very valuable and something that we thought people would want. And the market validated it rather quickly, right? Randy was just like, oh, you know, this isn't gonna start off like this. And 
person from once we put it on fanatics they they started selling right it was just early adopters early adopters and that really showed us that we've had you know we had something good so we've we've been growing we're we're adding on you know privacy screens we're going into ipad screen protectors as well all with brands that you love brands that you care about it's just like a, a, a subtle you know reminder of passion when you're on your phone and you set it down and jake you have one when you're sitting at the office or at some meetings people are like look at that bobcat on your phone or you know the dvax one you have now but that's what we want people to love when they have our product on their phone it's just that it's that little reminder of passion and, and then for brands we're an extension of them where we can allow their consumers to think of them all times you know when they're protecting their phone because you have to protect the phone what better way to protect it than with your team and i i one thing on the personalization front it's such an easy conversation starter too you know think about when you when you go to somebody's office and they got pictures up on the wall right and it's and, and if you don't know the person it's an easy conversation starter to ask a question well if you're in a meeting in a coffee shop or or wherever else right or in a conference room and you see that on somebody's phone because nowadays in a meeting everybody has their phone on the table it's I, I don't know if i've ever been in a meeting where that doesn't happen anymore right and so then again easy conversation starter it might be where you went to school it might be where you work whatever the case is um and so that's you know depending on whether you're face you know internal facing or external facing it's kind of a cool concept uh love it Lo love to see what you're doing uh, in the space and looking forward to seeing where it grows um let's wrap up with some rapid fire uh, you know, when you think about the sports licensing space, um, what's one product that but when you were getting into the space, you're like, wow, that's cool. Other than your own, of course. Other than my own? Yeah. Like, was there, like, Randy, was there an idea or a product that you saw where you're like, oh, wow, this is like, this is where I'm going to start to get into this space at some point? Well, I was early on in the uh, cell phone case space, so I think I, when the uh, cell phones were just getting started, so I think that was probably the product that I saw was, you know, cases for cell phones because, uh, I hate to say it, but I was, they, I was working in that space before Apple, and so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, we started with uh, some cases for uh, um, T-Mobile that were really kind of an interesting start. Yeah. Rashawn? For, for me, you know, I'm more new school, right? So <laughs> I had after Apple, um, but no, I think for me, what, what I thought was cool was um, the, the OtterBox cases, you know, when they came out, how bulky they were and how they can really protect your phone. So, I mean, in school, we would just drop them just to just see, right? Um, now I will not, you know, I, I will not drop it no matter what case it's in, but, um, you know, the, the OtterBox and when that came, when the iPhone 4, you know, the first iPhone came out, I thought those were were pretty cool. Nowadays, uh, with with the the differences in in kind of the leagues and and how they go about licensing, what's one partner that you don't have that you want to work with eventually? What's a league that you're like, mm, that would be really cool, based on the passion of the sports that it brings? Uh, right now, we're looking at F one, uh, you know, the F uh, racing, just because uh, one of my staff is a is a huge fan and uh, that is growing in the u.s right now at a rapid rate there's going to be a, a race in las vegas next year that everybody's talking about so uh 
you know, if I was to say that'd probably be the one that I'd be looking at right now. Yeah, for me, I probably wouldn't say sports. I mean, we pretty much have all of them, you know, side note, we, we have a Bobcat that runs licensing over at F1. So we need to make that connection. But um, I would say probably for a, probably Nickelodeon. I, I think that those would be cool to have because I think of now like more younger kids are starting to, you know, have cell phones, but also just that piece of nostalgia and being able to put those characters that we love on our, and again, is on a place that we usually don't think that we can have space for or have something, but having something like that on your phone is, is always cool. So I would say, you know, Nickelodeon, I want SpongeBob on my, on my next screen protector. I was just about to ask you who your character is going to be. So SpongeBob sounds like it. Randy, who's yours? You know, I'm not a, I'm not a Nickelodeon fan. Uh, so I, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I do think Nickelodeon would be great, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm more of the Disney side of the world, whether it's, uh, you know, Marvel star. I mean, we've just picked up star Wars. Uh, we're looking to add Marvel and Disney. And so my, my direction would be in the, uh, maybe some of the Disney characters, uh, some of the classics for me are, are, uh, are kind of fun. All right. If you had to choose one, who's, who, who are you going with? Who's on your phone? Probably goofy. You know, so just because this fits my personality. <laughs> last last one for you. If there's a product, uh, Randy, that uh, you've seen out there that you could have under the Keyscaper umbrella, uh, what's one that you think would be a good fit in the future? That might not be that rapid fire, but. Yeah, I was going to say that one's a little on a. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, looking at, um, you know, what I think looking at a lot of the uh, iPad, or not iPad, but the uh, MacBook and uh, laptop covers is probably the product that I would look at, just because that's an area where there's not a lot of, uh, you know, not a lot of licensed product in that space at this point. So maybe that's the space I'd look at. Rashawn? Yeah, now I'm de facto, you know, going to Randy, telling him what I like and what I don't like. Um, I would say I like the MagSafe products, right? I, I think that in the near future, like a lot of people like Randy talked about consolidation, right? We don't want to carry that many things. So I like the point of being able to stick the battery on the back of your phone or sticking your wallet to the back of your phone and not having to, to worry about it. And there's some some grips out there as well for for holding your phone that I think are, you know, super beneficial and a positive experience for anyone that has a mobile device that I think that we'll, we'll look to add, but some things that we're excited about and interested in. Yeah. That, that, uh, what is it, the pop socket? That's like the, that's like the teenage thing to have, right. Uh, to have on the phone on the back, but, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah some, something like Well, guys, really appreciate your time, thoughts, perspectives, and insights on the sports licensing world within uh, sports and entertainment. Uh, definitely, we'll have you on again in, in the future to uh, visit with you where with uh, where the products go. Um, but Randy, really appreciate all of the background and, and insight uh, around Keyscaper and uh, Rashawn uh, Screen Skins, and, and looking forward to seeing it on Fanatics and selling selling off the shelves. Or the e-commerce shelves is that is that a thing now <laughs> yeah well we the retailer you know the the team stores are also a good place too so there you uh, go try and focus on those too 
So, so we're definitely in some team stores to end this holiday season, and then we'll be in more team stores uh, next year. Yeah, love it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right, Appreciate no, thank it. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.